Well, the fact is that the, that the first Thanksgiving wasn't shared until 1621. You know, that's about, a, what, what is it, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue? Or was it in 1493, Columbus sailed the deep blue sea? I don't know, one of the two. But, but see, this is about 130, uh, this is about, uh, 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 oh, many years later, the first Thanksgiving came. And it was more than a harvest festival. They had sports, they had games, they had food, they had dancing, they had singing. And it was shared between the pilgrims and the Wampanoag Indians, all right? And when it came to food, food they, they didn't eat the traditional Thanksgiving menu that we eat today. They, theirs was comprised of basically venison and all the fixings that went with it. And, um, uh, of course, you may have learned a different Thanksgiving story, and there's no shortages of ideas about how Thanksgiving originated, you know. And there's a bunch of stories about Thanksgiving. My wife works in the village. How many of you all heard of the villages down in Florida, you know? My wife works down there, and, and uh, she came across this couple. And uh, the father... Uh, the husband of the couple, you know, it's just, it's, it's all retirees. He called up to his son up in New York, and he said, uh, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of your mother. I can't stand her anymore. This is just, you know, last week or so, and I'm going to divorce her. I'm throwing her out of the house. I want you to take her back. And uh, so the son, he got upset, and he called his sister, and he told his sister, what was going on, and the sister calls down and talks to the mother and says, Mom, is that true? Is he throwing you out? Is he sending you back up here? And she says, Yes, honey, it's true. She says, Well, don't y'all worry. We'll be down there in a couple days. And they hung up the phone, and, and, and the wife and the husband said to the wife, Well, did it work? And she said, Yes, they'll be here for Thanksgiving in a couple of days. And then he said, Well, how are we going to get them down here for Christmas? You know? And Thanksgiving, you know, we, we eat turkeys. Hey, did you hear why the, why the turkeys crossed the road? They want the people to think they're chickens, you know. Uh, and uh, you know why the chickens cross the road, don't you? That's right. They wanted to show the possum it could be done. Amen. But anyway, Thanksgiving is an integral part of our worship experience, you know. And, and so we're going to look at a little deeper into the practice of Thanksgiving and, 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 and why it's so important. And the first thing I want you to see is the provider of thanksgiving, the benefactor, the object of thanksgiving. In order to have thanksgiving, you've got to be thankful to someone. And, of course, our gratitude and the gratitude directed for in thanksgiving is directed toward God. It's, it's because of Him. And it's, and it's a way we respond to his provision or his acts in history. It's an attitude of gratitude. It's a condition of the heart. And you know, like I said, it's an essential part of our worship experience. Uh, notice in how the scriptures say uh, how praise and thanksgiving are used together. Psalm 69.30 says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. You see, I want to tell you something, folks. Thanksgiving is not a holiday for a bunch of atheists. 
It's a holiday for believers. Because you see, it makes the assumption that there is a God. Psalm 103, know that the Lord, He is God. And he, he, it is He who have made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. pasture. And if you're here today, and if you're, you're not a believer, I want to ask you something. How do you think we all got here? Huh? Where did we come from? Listen, it wasn't the Big Bang. We didn't, quote, evolve. You know, all the evidence in science, believe it or not, points to the fact that all this came as a result of intelligent design. I don't know if you ever saw this little um, teaching or this little uh, uh, film, but it's, but it's called Unlocking the Mysteries of Life. And it's about, about a scientist by the name of Behe. And he, he got real busy with these super-duper microscopes. And he began examining cells. And he found out, you know what he found out? He found out these, these cells are made up of machines inside. Literal machines. Have you ever seen these cells in a picture when you're studying, they have a little tail on them, you know, that makes them swim around? It isn't a tail. When you examine it closely, it's a propeller. And it's driven by gears and drive shafts and torque converters and has a proton-powered engine. Now these things, machines only happen one way. They don't evolve, they're designed. I mean, how many of you guys ever been out and hunting, walking through the woods and seen an old lawnmower laying there and say, hey, I wonder how that evolved there? Uh-uh, you know it's a machine. You know it was designed. And then, and then in the cell they have something called DNA. And you know what DNA is? It's a language. It's a written language. It has a written, it has its own alphabet. It has its own alphabet. And there is a DNA, what? What do they call it? DNA code, right? And it has its own alphabet. And, 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 and you could take the DNA of one body would fill enough volumes of encyclopedias to stretch to the moon in back. There's that much information in it. And information is only stored and transmitted one way, by intelligent design. Do you know, how many of you have ever heard the phrase, to be or not to be? Do you know what the odds are of generating that phrase, that phrase, by random letter drawing? Well, if you can think that big, it is one chance in 4 times 10 to the 18th power. That's a big number. That is so big that that means that you could, if the state of Texas were flat, and you would build an 8-foot wall around Texas and fill it with silver dollars, you would take one silver dollar, mark it, mix it up, Throw it in there in the state of Texas, eight foot deep in silver dollars, and find it on your first try. In other words, it's impossible. It's literally impossible. 
And folks, to be here any other way than by the in, intimate design of God is impossible. And we need to give thanks to the one who has created us. We need to give thanks to the one who has granted us the life and the bounty we had. And that brings us to the second point. There are providees of thanksgiving, those who offer. And why do we offer God thanksgiving? Well, it's a response. It's the response of our heart to Him. And it's a response of a four-letter word called L-O-V-E, love. And He is a good God. Psalm 118.29, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 105, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. And that is why we should all times be thankful to Him. We are the providees of thanksgiving. Like I said earlier, it's an attitude of gratitude. It's a condition of the heart. But you know what thanksgiving also brings? It brings His presence. Enter into His gates, Psalm uh, 104, I believe, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. We enter into his presence, into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. And you see, when we're involved in thanking God with a genuine gratitude from our hearts, it brings us in to his presence. But then again, what keeps us from his presence? Well, it would be, first of all, a lack of thanksgiving and praise and, a, and, and sin in our life. And so that's one thing that we need to avoid in our life if we want to experience the presence and power of God at all times. We need to have a continual attitude of thanksgiving. How do we do that? Well, we have to stay focused. We stay focused on Him and not what's around us. I'll talk more about that in a minute. And then you know what? There is power in thanksgiving. There is power. Psalm 50, verse 7 and following. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your, or your burn, burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take a bull from your house nor goats out of your fold because every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. And my pastor used to say, and the taters in the hills. You know? And I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. And if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine and all its fullness. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Here's the key, folks. Offer, thanks, offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in your day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Now, do you see what that's saying? God says, listen. I really don't need your sacrifices of bulls and goats and lambs and stuff. They're all mine. I own it all. He says, the, all I really want from you is thanksgiving. 
And guess what? That's an act of our will. That's something that we have to do freely on our own. That's something that we choose to do, just like we choose to love. And out of love, we thank God. And God says, guess what? When you're in continual thanksgiving to me, you know what you can do? You can call upon me in your day of trouble, and I will deliver you. You know what? Sometimes it's hard to thank God in the midst of your troubles, isn't it? But sometimes we have to realize that we go through trials and tribulations in this life for a purpose, and that purpose is to make us more like Jesus. Jesus went through trials. He went through tribulations. And we have to too. And when we can look at our trials and tribulations and we can look at that and realize for a second that this is God honing me to be more like Jesus, you know what I can do? I can thank him for it. God, I know I'm going through this trial because you're making me more like Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this trial. And guess what? He says, out of that, he will deliver you. And in your deliverance, you will glorify him and honor him again. And guess what? He'll deliver you again. And you'll glorify him again. And guess what? You'll honor him again. And then he'll deliver you. And, and you'll go through another. And, and it, it's, a it's a continual thing. You know, um, there was a term for that in, 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 in computer uh, in computer technology, what is that? The, the endless loop, all right? It's an endless loop. We give God praise and thanksgiving in the midst of our trials. He delivers us. We praise him. We thank him. Then in the next trial, we do the same thing and over and over and over. And in the process, we become more like Jesus. In the process, we win. Now let me give you a couple little practical applications with thanksgiving. You know, there's different aspects of thankfulness. First and foremost is focusing on God. It's remembering what God has done. It's keeping our eyes on him and not our circumstances. All right? And then guess what? Thank also a part of Thanksgiving is telling other people about it. Let me tell you what God done, has done in my life. Let me tell you what the Lord did for me. You know? And, and if you're really thankful from, from something with a deep sense of gratitude, you tell others about it, don't you? Well, just like we brag on other things, we need to brag on Jesus. Amen? And then, not only that, but in the process, we demonstrate the glory of the Lord to other people. We give God glory for everything that's happened in our life. And then, and then, out of that, we offer up to God ourself, our time, our resources. And you see, because if you're truly thankful, your life will show it. And you see, thankfulness should be an ingredient not just in, in our relationship between us and God, but between us and everybody else, all right? I mean, 
during this holiday, we, we express our thankfulness to, to God for, and our gratitude for Him for all His blessings. But, but thanks should be on our lips every day, not just Thanksgiving, you know. I mean, we can never say enough to thank our parents, our friends, our leaders, and especially God, you know. It, it, it has to become an integral part of our lives, you know. And guess what? When it does, you're going to find out something, that you're going to change, that you're going to become more like Jesus, all right? When you have an attitude of gratitude, you'll become more positive, you'll become more gracious, you'll become more loving, you'll become more humble. Romans 1.21, listen to this, and this is an alarm. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, there is a danger in not being thankful. And one, that danger is this. In the process of being not thankful, you reject God, all right? You forget Him. And you turn, basically, to idolatry. And like I said a while ago, you begin to focus on the things around you and not God as the source of everything. You see, it begins when, when people, in this process, you begin to reject what you know about God. You so instead of looking to him as the creator and sustainer of life, you look at yourself as the center of the universe. And that's a bad habit we all have, that I'm the center of my own universe, you know. And soon we invent our own gods, all right? Uh, and really they're nothing more than projections of our own selfish plans and, and, and decrees, you know. And, and these gods are not wooden figures that people bow down to and, and that type of thing. You know what? They may be a goal that we have in our life, all right? They may be something that we're pursuing in our life. Maybe money, maybe power, maybe comfort. But when we begin to do these things as we don't focus on God and we focus on ourselves. And, and you know what we do when we do that? We make God in our image. Huh? Oh dear, oh me. So we need to avoid that, all right? Uh, we have to ask ourselves our, some questions. Is there anything you feel you can't live without? Oh me. I notice I drive a school bus in Florida part-time and, and or when you get around kids, first thing that comes out is one of these. And I began thinking, if I went back to the time I was a kid, could I live without a cell phone? You know, we get so dependent on things and stuff. Is there anything in our life we can't live without? And is there any priority? Another question we need to ask ourselves, is there any priority to us greater than God? I mean... Is there a dream in our life that we would sacrifice anything to realize? I mean, does God really take first place? And, and do we worship God or do we worship the idols, the makings of our own hands? These are all things that we have to ask ourselves 
if we're going to be honest in our hearts with thankfulness to God. Now consider this next verse, Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. The gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know what? Thanksgiving should be present in our life primarily because of the gift that God has given us in salvation. You know, when someone gives us a gift, we don't say, Gee, that was great. Thank you. How much do I owe you? Is that what you do? But you know, sometimes we treat God like that. God has given us a gift, the greatest gift that can ever be given. He's given us His only Son, Jesus Christ. He, he, gave, us, he, he gave Him to us on a cross. And then through that, our faith in Him, He gives us eternal life. And the only response the only appropriate response that he wants from that gift basically is, thank you, Lord. Yet, how often do Christians, after they have been given the gift of salvation, try to work their way to God? Huh? Our salvation, even our faith, our gifts, and we should respond with gratitude and thanksgiving and praise and joy. And this should be the initial response of our salvation. But you know why we do good works after that? Because of our thankfulness. Not because we're trying to work our way to God. Not we're trying to appease Him or please Him. You see, we become Christians through God's unmerited favor, through His grace not of the result of any effort that we can produce, not of any, uh, uh, or intelligent choice or act of service, you know, out of gratitude for this free gift. You know, what do we do? We help others. We seek to serve other people. We, we are kind. We are loving. We are gentleness. By, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, because ye have love one for another. Love for another. And you see, the result of true thanksgiving is an act of service. Act of service to God, to the body of Christ, to your local church. Thanksgiving. Is it an evident part of your life? It's my prayer today that it is, that it is.